1961. Uh, there was a new president in the White House. Uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion had been repelled by Castro and his forces in Cuba. The civil rights movement was, was growing in strength and in mission. And in Wisconsin, there was, a, there was a new young football coach at a very historic football franchise. The franchise was the Green Bay Packers. The coach's name was Vince Lombardi. He had had tremendous success in his first couple of years. In fact, the Packers had gone all the way to the NFL championship, which in, in, in December of 1960 was, was actually bigger than the, well, it wasn't bigger than because now the Super Bowl is a cultural event, but that was the championship. That was the, that was the Super Bowl in those days. And, and in the fall of, of 1961, Lombardi and his team had spent months, months in depression because they had come so close to winning it all, and then they lost it. In fact, they lost it with some mistakes, some, some mistakes that, that they'd never really made before, but in that championship game in 1960, they, they just made mental mistakes. And so, for months, Lombardi and this group of professional athletes had tried to figure out what they did wrong and, and how they could fix it. And so when football camp began in fall of 1961, Lombardi gathered all the guys together. And he said, now gentlemen, we got as close to, to success as, on our goal as we could and then we failed. And so here's what we're going to do. I've thought about this for months. We are going back to the fundamentals. And all the players in the room were like, yeah, coach, that's good. We're, we're going to do the fundamentals. We're going to go back to blocking and tackling. And coach looked at them and said, are you with me? And I said, yes, we are with you. We want to do the fundamentals. And he turned and he walked away from the group and he walked over to a table. He said, are you really with me? Yes. You really want to do the fundamentals? Yes. So we're going to start with the basics. Okay, coach, we're ready. And Lombardi pulled out. A football. And he said, this is as basic as it gets. Gentlemen, this is a football. This is where we're going to start with the fundamentals. Now, some of you are looking at me and saying, Pastor, okay, we know the Colts are 0-2, but why are you talking like this? Well, it's because this last summer, while I was on my study break, while I was seeking the face of God for what do we do now that, now that the pandemic has gone longer than we thought it would go, now that the political, the political fervor has continued, even with a change in the White House, and now that, that the issues of reconciliation are still, still of major importance, even though for over 60 years people have been trying to help people figure out how to love each other in spite of their skin color and their background and their language. Even though we've gone through all of these things, what, what is it that we really need to do? Because none of us can control when the pandemic will be over. None of us can control what's going on in our culture. We can control only those things that God places in our path. And I remember, I remember Lombardi. 
And I remembered that historic little speech. Gentlemen, this is a football. And I thought to myself, I believe by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what the church has to do today. That's exactly what Eastside has to do today. That's exactly what you and I need to do today. In order to be the people of God, in the kingdom of God, in a world that does not recognize the kingdom of God as the most powerful presence on earth, we as the people of God have to return to the very fundamental things and that's exactly what we're going to do for the next few weeks between now and Thanksgiving we're going to address the fundamental question who is God who is he really that's why I asked Pastor Preston to, to lead us last week, and he did an amazing job of, of helping us be vulnerable and, and transparent and, and honest with God and acknowledge the pain and acknowledge the, the, the situations in our lives that, and, and say to God in a, in a corporate setting and in an individual setting, whether we were online like I was or on campus like many of you, he helped us understand that fundamental to understanding who God is is being honest enough to tell God who we are. And so this morning, this morning I, I invite you to join us in looking at, at the most basic of Christian understandings and being willing to to, as Preston said last week, be honest and vulnerable about your feelings, to be honest and vulnerable with your relationship with God because here's what I know. Some things I think, some things I know. This is one of the things I know. You see, you can't be vulnerable and authentic and honest with the people around you until you've been vulnerable and authentic and honest with yourself and with God. And so that's why we began as we began last week. And that's why today, today we're going to look at, at who, who God really is. And as we try to figure that out, as we look at the very fundamental things of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, we have to understand something very, very essential. And that is that, that Jesus knows God better than anybody else. That, that if you really want to know who God is, then you need to know who Jesus is. And it's Jesus and, and his beliefs about God that should shape our beliefs about God. Not theologians, not the culture, not the church, not the corporate world, not what you think and what your grandmother said, but what Jesus said. Because you see, Jesus gave us the positive. Jesus gave us the good narratives of who God is. In fact, Jesus actually told his disciples at one point, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So seeing God, knowing who God is, begins this process, whether you've been raised in church or not raised in church. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're just someone who has some questions and you're trying to figure this out and you're trying to find out what life is all about. Regardless of your situation, the reality is the only way to know God is to know Jesus. And so we're going to start 
this journey at the beginning. The beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Some of you know the story. Others of you may not. You see, Jesus had a cousin. His, his name was John. They called him John the Baptist. He was a prophet of God. He came out of the wilderness where he lived, where he, where he dressed in camel hair and ate locust and honey and, and had a kind of a wild existence. But he stepped into the culture and John began to call the people of Israel to repentance. He, he began to call them to confess their sins, to be honest and vulnerable to God, and, and to be baptized for the repentance of their sin. He had a powerful impact. And then one day, one day John was baptizing people who were coming and saying, I have turned my back on God. I have turned away from God. And I repent for what I've done. And as a symbol of my repentance, John, would you, would you baptize me? And so in the Jordan River, here is John baptizing repentant people who are saying, my narratives of God are not working for me. And, and then he looked up. And John the Baptist saw his cousin, Jesus, Mary's boy, from Nazareth. Joseph, his dad, was a carpenter there. They had played together as children. He, he knew Jesus, but he did not understand who Jesus was until, until he baptized Jesus. When he baptized Jesus, something, something miraculous took place. When, when he baptized Jesus, Inside of John, John, John understood something for the very first time. He, he understood that, that this was the one who had been promised. His cousin, Jesus, was the Son of God, was the Messiah, was the Christ. Something inside of him and something inside of Jesus changed that day. John would put it this way. One is coming after me who's whose sandals I'm not worthy even to tie the laces of. But on that moment when, when Jesus, in submission to the Spirit of God, was willing to say to John, baptize me. And John said to Jesus, oh, there's, there's no way that, that I should be doing that to you. You, you should be baptizing me. And, and Jesus said, no, no, we, we need to do this right, John. And as, as John placed Jesus under the water and brought him up, this miracle, this witness came from heaven. It was twofold. In one, in one part, a, a dove actually flew down from the sky and landed on the shoulder of Jesus. And, and when it did, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine what that felt like? To, to, to be the, to be Jesus. To have been here on earth for 30 years. To have lived in your mom and dad's house. To, to have gone to the temple at 12 years of age. To, to feel something working inside of you. And, and now, now to hear the voice of your heavenly father simply say, you are my beloved and I, I'm pleased with you. John knew something was up. And the next day, the next day as, 
as John was talking to two of his disciples, Jesus went walking by. Listen to the story. John, the beloved disciple, not John the Baptist, records it for us in his gospel in the first chapter and the 35th verse. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's an important phrase because only the, only the sacrificial lamb could pay for the sins of the world. Every Jewish man knew that the Lamb of God was the lamb that was sacrificed. From the earliest moment, Jesus' identity as a suffering Messiah was established by the proclamation of John when he looked at Jesus and then looked at his two disciples and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard John say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and, and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus his name was Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Cephas which means Peter. In that, in that earliest moment of recognition, we find the answers to what we're seeking. We find, we find the, the narrative of a God who meets us where we are. The, the, the narrative of a God who loves us. As we, as we explore who God is over these next few weeks, we, we have this foundation, this, this foundation of honesty and vulnerability, but we also have this, this foundation of understanding. There are three simple things from this story that, that I want to suggest for your consideration when you think about who God is this week. Because Jesus is the Son of God the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Savior of the world. And Jesus, Jesus invites you and he invites me and he invites every person on the face of the earth, every person who's ever breathed into a relationship with God. But it starts, it, it starts with understanding why Jesus came. See, Jesus didn't just come to do miracles. He didn't just come to baptize people. He didn't just come to teach people. No, no. Jesus came to show us who God is. That's why he came. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. That's why he lived on the face of the earth. Jesus came to show us who God is. Look at it again. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said, 
What are you seeking? See, we live in a world that's seeking answers in all the wrong places. We live in a world that's changed Jesus from the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Christ, into just simply another swear word. How many times have you heard, Jesus Christ? And it wasn't an affirmation of faith. How many times have you, have you heard people Take the name of God in vain. How many times have you talked to people who are like, well, you know, that church thing, that, that's just a, an institution. That's, that's just an organization. That's just a group of human beings who get together because they all think alike and act alike and look alike. No, no, friend, that's not who the church is. The church is the people who understand that Jesus came to show us who God is. John has said it earlier in the same gospel, in the, in the same chapter, earlier he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was created was spoken into being by the Word of God. Oh, and who is the Word of God? Jesus is the Word of God. That, my friend, is the foundational principle of the church. That, my friend, is the foundational principle of Christianity. That is why we was referred to by the people who were following Jesus in the book of Acts that we've just spent the last 18 months looking to as the way, the life. That's why Jesus would say to the disciples, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't follow a God who is created out of our own imagination. That's called idol worship. Christianity is based on the foundational truth that Jesus Christ came to show us who God is. And so he turned to these two disciples and he turns to you and me, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your language, and says, what are you seeking? What is it that you're really looking for in your life? What is it that's really important to you? And I would suggest to you that that's, that search, that seeking spirit is the most important thing in your life right now. Whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, whether you're Republican or Democrat or independent or you don't care, the most important thing in your life is who is God and what are you seeking and do you understand that Jesus Christ came, came to show you God? Because God loved you so much that he gave you life. That he breathed breath into you. That he created you in his own image. These two disciples, we, we don't know for sure the identity of one. Obviously one is Andrew because Andrew goes and gets his brother, Simon. Uh, most most uh, biblical exegetes will tell you that, that they think the other one is John who's actually writing the gospel because John, John has this way of, of kind of being uh, considerate throughout his gospel and always referring to himself in the third person and, and never referring to himself in the first person. And so there's this, there's this general consensus, although there's some folks who argue for some other things, but, but the general consensus is, you know, that, that one that's not named, well, that's, that's the guy writing this book. Because from day one, John is a part of the, part of the party. 
He's a part of the group. And so he, John and Andrew are, are following John the Baptist. They've repented for their sins. They, they seek after God. They, they want to be real men of God. They, they have this desire to be the people they were created to be, much like many of us. And John says to them, there's the Lamb of God. See, I, I love that as a test for whether or not a ministry can be trusted. Does that ministry push you toward a personality or does it push you toward the Lamb of God? You want to know a, a filter to use when you're reading a book or, a, or listening to a podcast or, or choosing a church? A body of Christ to worship with? That question is a pretty fundamental question. Does it, does it push you to a personality or does it push you to the Lamb of God? Does it point you to Jesus or does it point you to an organization? Does it ask you to be a part of a club or does it ask you to be a part of the community of faith? You see, Jesus came to show us who God is. And if that's what we really are seeking, then, then we need to do like Andrew and John. Leave what we know and follow after Jesus. And then there's this, I love this dialogue that happens here. Because see, what Jesus does when he turns around and he asks them, so what are you seeking? Their response is, is huge because, see, Jesus invites us to, to live in a, in a relationship with him. See, Jesus, Jesus comes to show us who God is. But he doesn't just come to, to say, okay, God looks like this and this and this and this and this and this. Check off the list. Now you know God. Jesus is not the cosmic Google. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. And the only way we know who God is is not to just simply research it, but to experience it. And in experiencing God, the only way we can experience God to His fullest is through His Son. Oh yes, you can experience God in a sunset. You, you can experience God in a beautiful moment. You can experience God in the community of friends. You can experience God in creation. You can experience God in art. You can experience pieces of God in lots of places. But the only way to really experience God in his fullness is to know his son. For those of you who are parents and you have children, you have discovered this. When you see your children and they act like you act, or they walk like you walk, or they look like you look. I, I remember in my, in my first church, there was an associate pastor and his wife, and um, they had waited and waited and waited. God, God had not blessed them with children for some time in their life, and then God blessed them with a beautiful little baby boy. And, and as that little boy grew, I, I didn't have any children. I, I, my, my sons had not yet been born. But what I watched with that little boy was that you could stand in the hallway of our church and when his dad walked down the hallway and that little two, three-year-old boy would walk next to his dad, the walk was the same, the, the wiggle was the same, the lean was the same. It was like there is no doubt that's his boy. I wonder sometimes how people become so connected to Jesus that people in the world say, oh, that's Jesus' boy. That's Jesus' daughter.
And it starts with this invitation. Jesus invites us to live in a relationship with him. Look at the scriptures again. Jesus said, what are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you'll see. See, that's the invitation. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, which would have been about four o'clock in the afternoon. And so they spent the evening listening to Jesus, asking Jesus questions, eating with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus. And in through the night hours, as they, as they spent time with him, they, they understood. He said, Pastor, how do you know they understood? Because the next morning, Andrew gets up, goes and gets his brother and says, hey, hey, Simon, we found the Messiah, the one everybody's looking for, the Christ that everybody's looking for. We, we found him. But he didn't find him until he found him. See, that's the deal. This Christian life, this, this Christian walk, it's a, it's a way of, of finding God by experiencing God. It's a way of being invited into a relationship. See, that question that, that Jesus asked, what are you seeking? When the guys responded and they said, where are you staying? It really isn't about what address do you live at. It really wasn't about where is your house? No, no, it was, it was about who are you and how can we connect with you? And my friends, that's, that's what we're going to look at this fall. That's what I want to invite you to this morning. I want to invite you to a place and a time and an effort to seek God first in your life, to understand that he came, Jesus came to show you who God is and that Jesus invites you to a relationship with him. And he says, hey, look, just come stay with me. And in fact, when, when John translates uh, the word teacher and rabbi and, and tells us that's exactly what they were looking for, uh, there's a cultural issue that was going on there. See, the way, the way students and rabbis worked in that century, in the first century in the Jewish faith, was that teachers, rabbis, would look around for the best and the brightest and they would pick them out and they would say, okay, in fact, they actually had tests to see which kids, kind of like placement tests in the schools today, which kids are going to be the kids that can be our, our, uh, our followers, our disciples. And the rabbis chose. But then there was also a choice made by the disciple. And in fact, one of the phrases that, that's so powerful in rabbinic literature is that the disciples would stay so close to the rabbi that the dust of his feet would cover the dust of their face. That they, they just, wherever the rabbi went, that's where they went. So when they asked Jesus, where are you staying? Jesus understood. They're asking to see his heart. They're asking to, to hear his mind. They're asking to be a part of his world and learn who he is because John the Baptist, they trusted it, said, hey, this is the Lamb of God. And so they spent that time with him. And I have to tell you, if you will do that, you will be changed forever. You'll be changed. If, if, you, can, if you can simply trust Jesus to show you who God is, if you'll enter into that kind of relationship, it'll change you. You know how it'll change you? 
See, that's the problem. Many of us think, oh, it'll change us into super Christian or it'll change us into, into a successful person. No, no, listen. Staying with Jesus, being his disciple, it's going to change you into who you were born to be. Because if you don't know Jesus, you're not living the way you were born to live. You were born to live in a relationship with God. You were created for that from your mother's womb. You were born. You were given breath so that you could live in a relationship with God who created everything. And yet, if you don't know Jesus, you're not living the way you were created to live. And this Jesus who comes to show us who God is, and this Jesus who invites us into a relationship with him, that, that same Jesus allows us to become who we were born to be. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, look at the Scripture. Look at what he said to Peter. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought his brother to Jesus. Jesus looked at his brother. I love this. You are Simon, the son of John. That's a powerful statement. Culturally, you are Simon. Your dad is John. That's your family. That's who you are. But you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Listen, Peter means rock. Cephas means rock. Simon was anything but a rock. He, he was everything opposite of a rock. He was flaky. He was flamboyant. He, he, was, he was a guy who was, who was always drawn by his emotions. He was a guy who was, as the scripture would say later, thrown every way by winds and fancies of doctrine and thought. He wasn't a rock. Jesus said, from now on, you're going to be a rock. Can I tell you something? I'm going to tell you that right now, you are created to be someone you may not know. Because you were created as God's daughter and God's son. And there's a life that Jesus invites you to. There's a life that that he came to share with you. And if you will live in relationship with him, then you will discover that life. Peter wasn't the only one who got a new name. Throughout the scriptures, that happens. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, this same John who wrote the Gospel of John, this same John who was most likely the guy with Andrew, that day, who asked Jesus, where are you staying? He writes a series of letters to some churches. It's much later in John's life. He's in exile on an island. And to a church in a place called Pergamum, he, he, he makes an interesting statement. He talks to them about how tough their life is. He talks to them about how difficult things have been. And, and then he says this, to the one who overcomes, some translations say to the one who conquers, I will give of the of the secret manna. I will give of the hidden bread of life. And I will also give them a white stone 
upon which is written the name only they know. See, I, I think that's what Jesus wants to do for all of us. I think that, that God has a name for us. In my office, I, I keep a, a little white stone. Oh, there's no words written on it because what John said to the church in Pergamon was, I will give you a white stone upon which is written the name only you know. The, the name that God believes about you. And this morning, as we launch into this series, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to give you an opportunity I wanted to give you an opportunity to have something that would let you see that God, God wants you to be more than you are. That Jesus came to show you who God is, and Jesus came to invite you into a relationship. And that that allows you to be who you were created to be. And so for those of you who are on campus, I want you to know that safely, sanitized, Underneath your seat, there's a white card and a pen. And I'm going to ask you to reach down and take it right now. If you're watching us online, I'm going to ask you to find a, a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen and a piece of paper or take your digital device. And in the next few moments, we're going to, the worship team's coming and we're going to sing a song, a song that, that talks about what it means to seek God. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to listen to Jesus. I want you to listen to the name he has for you. And, and, and as you hear it, I, I want you to write it on this card. And then I want you to take that card with you. I want you to keep it with you where you can pull it out and see it. Because here's what I know. On that card, I want you to write that secret name. Maybe, maybe that name is loved. Or maybe that name is forgiven. Or maybe that name is restored. Or maybe that, that name is kind. Or maybe that name is hope. Maybe, maybe that, that name is reconciled. Whatever, whatever that name is, that name that Jesus calls you, maybe it's just simply child, whatever it is, I want you to write it on that card. And then I want to invite you to join us in standing after you've written it, after you've taken a moment or two, and worshiping the God who is and was and is to come.